A new exhibit seeks to change the historical oversight of Oscar Howe in the art world. From South Dakota Public Broadcasting, this is In the Moment. Coming up this hour, Oscar Howe was told his art was not in the, quote, traditional Indian style. He responded by calling out the art world for its poor knowledge of Indian art and a scathing call to not be one more contributor to holding indigenous people in chains. We are going to spend the hour exploring Dakota Modern, the art of Oscar Howe. The exhibition is open through September 17th at the South Dakota Art Museum in Brookings. And today we also hear the voice of Oscar Howe. He'll tell you about his art in his own words. And it is a delightful historical listen. Let's get started. I'm Lori Walsh. You're in the moment. We're spending this hour celebrating an art exhibition. Dakota Modern, the Art of Oscar Howe, has arrived at the South Dakota Art Museum in Brookings. Donna Merkt is the director of the South Dakota Art Museum. She joined me on air before the exhibit opening. She was in SDPB's Janine Basinger studio at South Dakota State University. Let's listen. I have been excited uh, for this, and we've been doing stories on this for a year now. When it first opened. We're excited too. <laughs> yes. How long have you, maybe even longer, you have been planning this, um, the, the arrival of this exhibition? Tell me about that. Well, the exhibition has really been um, on our radars for a number of years. Um, researchers came a few years ago to start the research process, curator Kathleen Ash Milby and other curators who were helping her with that research. And so we had learned um, about the creation of the exhibit, but we weren't slated to participate. Mm. Um, and we really advocated for it to come to South Dakota, to be here where uh, the people of South Dakota and Oscar Howe's relatives could come and see the exhibit, not just um, try to get to the east or west coasts. So uh, about two years ago is when they finally decided that um, it would be a good fit that it, and realized that it coming here was important. And so we've been planning for two years for this exhibition. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the behind the scenes then when it arrives and the, the, you know, the special things that you have to do in preparation before you even, you know, crack the so-called boxes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, um, you know, the art was in Portland, so they shipped it from Portland and it arrived in several crates. It was probably the largest semi-truck that had ever been uh, fit into the museum's loading dock. We have 63 works of art and a number of panels and graphics and things that go along with that. Um, we are an AAM accredited art museum, so there's quite a lot that we do to ensure the safety of the art, which includes letting it acclimate in the crates to our climate conditions, okay. and then unpacking it very carefully and documenting it and photographing it the whole time that we're unpacking it. So that uh, when we have it, you know, all out and about and ready to hang, uh, quite a lot of work has already gone into the process. Your first impressions, what do you think? You know, <laughs> I, I love Oscar Howe's work. And um, when, I, when I knew we were getting this exhibit and I started thinking about, you know, how, how do we display this? How, how does this feel for someone from South Dakota to come in or... Um, and see the work and to experience it. And 
we really had a lot of conversations with uh, advisors, and one of our advisors said it should feel like Disneyland. <laughs> so, okay. uh, like it should be that kind that of big special of experience yeah, right. that you, yes, that you yeah. walk in and you just feel amazed and blown away. And so that's what we've we've worked towards. So the art museum is much more colorful than it's been in the past, yeah. and. There are lots of opportunities for uh, participation and hands-on art making uh, throughout the museum. And I just think that people are going to really be astonished. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit. um, You know, we had a conversation with Kathleen Ash Milby in a little bit here. And um, I certainly want to give you an opportunity to talk about Oscar Howe's work himself. But broadly speaking, your role as a museum, your role as the leader of a museum in a community and of course, we're defining, you know, we're defining community in multiple ways in this context. Right. But just right there in Brookings, the community of Brookings, the campus, the you know, the people who live there. What's your role as a museum in connecting people with not only the art but with one another? Well, you know, that's our mission. Our mission as the South Dakota Art Museum is to inspire creativity, connect people, and enrich lives through art. And when we think about community, we have to think about a much larger um, statewide community because we are the state art museum. But we even look beyond our state borders to our region and really feel that we serve a need in a, in a much larger area. So we find ways that, you know, people, not all people are art people, right. but all people are people people. You know, they like to connect to one another. And so it's it's great to find ways that Art can help people connect with each other, connect with the space, um, connect with the artist, connect with the subject. That's really what we're all about, is about that, just that little bit of moment that we feel like we're together. Oscar Howe is is famous for um, some abstract work, fragmentation of images, as you mentioned, those really bright colors. And it's important for people to remember that, you know, he was sort of, you know, people said at the time he was working that he was influenced by Picasso, and he said, no, I'm not. I'm (laughs) influenced by Dakota geometry and my own culture and my own imagination. With that in mind, when you walk through that exhibit, is it, um, you know, evident, overwhelming, obvious? What would the word you would use to describe what his influences were and how much this is rooted in Dakota, Dakota culture? I, I really feel that uh, Kathleen and, and the other curators that worked on this exhibit um, really did a great job in bringing out uh, that cultural heritage and, and making sure that that was evident uh, throughout the exhibition. And I think that we can also really support that with our programming, which I know you're talking to our, our curator of education and outreach shortly, who will yeah. tell you more about that. Uh, But it's, you know, his heritage, we start in a place where he was kind of working with imagery that was, you know, from his high high school time, actually, which was very traditional. So you actually see that evolution from those kind of traditional imagery into the more abstract images. And so I think that evolution of of his design and his artistic practice is incredibly evident and powerful in the exhibition. Yeah. Help people understand, you mentioned, you know, not everybody is an art person, but because this is Oscar Howe and because there's so much, uh, you know, outreach tied into this, 
I would anticipate at least that many people who aren't art people will walk into the art museum for the first time. When I you go so. to the is it to a gallery for the first time, um, the, it could be intimidating. Give us some tips in, in why this space is for everyone and sort of what are the ways to interact with it? You know, I think that people feel like there's supposed to be a specific way mm -hmm. that you're to do an art museum, and, and that's not the case. Um, you know, we've all kind of been told, oh, this is art history, and this is what you're supposed to think right. about an artwork and how you're supposed to approach it, and I don't believe that at all. I think that art is for everyone and that everybody interprets art in their own way and that we bring our filters and our experiences and our stories and our ideas with us when we interpret art. And so I think the best thing to do is just to kind of walk into a space and gravitate to the thing that grabs you, um, especially if you're with children, let them lead the way. Um, and then, you know, ask yourself one question when you're standing in front of it what's going on here? And then maybe follow that up with, what am I seeing that makes me feel that way or say that? So, you know, it's really about what each person gets out of the art. You know, even with an art history background, I tend to now gravitate more toward things that delight me. Mm. And I love things with a sense of humor. And so yeah. art can really be fun and exciting and energizing and it can help us contemplate and think about who we are and what our culture looks like. But um, it doesn't, it shouldn't be something so intimidating yeah. to people. I really hope that we can um, help people not feel that. And so when you walk into our lobby, the first thing that you really see is a great big giant hello <laughs> sign now, which is a new installation for okay. the art museum. Um, we just are gonna try to, to break down some of those barriers right from the get go. Yeah. Did you as an academic have to sort of make a leap to allowing yourself to gravitate to things that delight you? You or know, did, I yeah. really did. Yeah. <laughs> and and that really came. <clears throat> so my method of looking at art now as an individual really comes from the visual thinking strategies process, which is about, you know, it's the three questions. What do you, what's going on here? What do I see that makes me say that? And what more can I find? And mm. so through learning that process and understanding the research behind it, I also learned that, um, you know, that looking at art really isn't always about art. It's about how we connect with each other and how we connect with the art or, um, you know, the stories that things are telling. And so, yeah, I had to kind of take a step back for it from it. And, and I've, uh, it's the best thing I've ever done for myself. You're listening to In the Moment on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Lori Walsh. Oscar Howe is one of the 20th century's most innovative painters. His art was undeniably modern while being thoroughly rooted in Ochetti Shakoin culture and aesthetic. He was named Artist Laureate of South Dakota in 1960. Now a retrospective exhibition of Howe's work is showing at the South Dakota Art Museum in Brookings through September 17th. Kathleen Ash Milby is curator of the Dakota Modern Exhibit. I spoke with her last year when the exhibition was on display at the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian. Let's begin when I asked her how she first came to know the art of Oscar Howe. Um, actually, it was when I was a graduate student at the University of New Mexico. I was uh, working on my master's degree in Native American art history. 
Tell me a little bit about what some of your first impressions were of his work then. Yeah, well, I think that um, what how he was presented to us in an academic setting was that he was really um, a trailblazer. He was someone who um, had a really strong idea about um, how he wanted to express himself through his painting, and it didn't always align with what um, institutional expectations were uh, during the mid-20th century, and he was someone who really um, spoke out against institutions dictating what Native American art could be or should be and what was Native. How did he manage to do that? What is some of the early indications that he was pushing back? Was it through the art itself? Was it through the words that he used? Um, like, how, how did he accomplish that? Yeah, well, he actually uh, received uh, his initial training in painting from um, the uh, Santa Fe Indian School through the studio program that was initiated by Dorothy Dunn. And this, uh, this project was really about um, promoting a particular type of Native um, American painting style. And that was in the 1930s. And it really became um, a bit rigid in terms of what Native artists were expected to do, regardless of, of what tribe they came from. Um, and he really was interested in pushing the boundaries of those of those um, guidelines. And he really, early on, even in the 1940s, he was he was doing exciting things. He, his forms were becoming much more dynamic. He was uh, presenting the figure from all different angles. Then he went to graduate school and really got a deep education in what was happening then in terms of uh, modern art, uh, art movements, um, you know, that were very diverse. And he brought some of that influence to his work, but he still felt like his work was still traditional. And this was really somewhat of a threat, I think, to um, what people thought Native art should be. So um, the, the big moment that came for him when he was really confronted with this was when a painting that he submitted to the Philbrook Art Annual, which was an annual art competition for Native American painters, um, when he received a letter from the Phil Philbrook that basically said that the jurors had decided that his work was um, not Native and that it would be excluded from the competition portion of the exhibition. Hmm. So this was a profound insult to him because he'd been involved with the Philbrook since he won the Grand Purchase Prize the first time he submitted um, submitted a painting in the in the early 40s. So uh, he wrote this letter, and he was incredibly passionate in this letter, speaking back to the authority of, of the institution to define what Native was. And that letter is something that, you know, a lot of people really remember him for. Um, and what we're trying to do with this exhibit is make sure that people really appreciate him for his art as well. Um, what he did with it, with speaking back was was really important, but I think that sometimes uh, people outside of South Dakota are not as familiar with his art. Yeah, let's talk about that because I'm so glad we go there. <laughs> um, tell me what you as a curator were looking for when you selected work for the exhibition, um, what you had you know the choices of, and let's talk about his art. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I think most people are very familiar with the work that came from what I would describe as the height of his career, which is, um, I, I would say, is in the 1960s. Uh, certainly the early to mid-60s are some of his you know, mag- most magnificent paintings. But, you know, he had this long career, and he had this beginning at the Santa Fe Indian School, and his work really changed quite a bit over the course of his career. And in planning a retrospective, um, both for the catalog and for the exhibition, you really want to be able to show the depth and breadth of an artist's career. You want to be able to see, like, how did they get to be you know, what we know them for, right? Mm-hmm. How did that work? You know, how do they end up there? And and for me as a curator, um, I'm really interested in seeing that development and being able to see some of those early paintings and, and being able to see the seeds of what would become, you know, this magnificent work in the, in the 1960s. Um, so one of the great opportunities for us really was to show work that has never been published There are um, several paintings that are in the South Dakota Historical Society collection that are from the 1930s, and um, I'm really excited that we're able to include those as well. Were there themes that you saw him return to again and again that are relevant for us to talk about today? Like, what are some of the, the colors or the themes or, you know, motifs that he was always trying to explore as an artist? Well, Oscar Howe really saw himself as a modern storyteller and as someone who was continuing a very deep tradition among the Dakota, you know, having a, a visual storyteller, someone who could um, remind people of certain stories and um, practices. And for that reason, he did return to certain themes over and over again. One of the subjects that he returned to starting like when he was, I would say, fresh out of high school in the 1930s was the Sundance. Um, So one of the things we did in this exhibition is because that was one of the subjects that he returned to over and over again is we did create a part of the installation to show his um, paintings of that topic over time, and it's a really great opportunity to see how his work changed over time and how his perspective changed and, and his use of color and how his work started very literal and became much more abstract and much more profound, I would say, in terms of trying to depict something that was not of this world. It was about uh, transformation and um, someone losing touch with the earthly, earthly world. Yeah. So you were associate curator with the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian. You were heavily recruited, according to the Portland Museum, to come join them. You have been doing this work um, for a long time. Where does he fit in with some of these other artists that you've experienced in your work? Well, Oscar Howe, you know, he was really groundbreaking in his work, and I think that he was really foundational in a lot of ways for changes that happened in the field of Native American art in the 20th century. I think that his letter is really um, kind of symbolic in a lot of ways of of change that was brewing. It wasn't just him Mm -hmm. who was frustrated 
Um, he, but he was the one who really stuck his neck out and said something. And, you know, you see so many changes that happened in the 1960s. You see the establishment of the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe. You see artists like Fritz Scholder and P.C. Cannon and this whole Native pop movement that came out in the 1960s and early 70s. And, um, you know, I, I think that in my work as a curator, I have always been trying to fill in parts of Native art history that were or uh, have been neglected. Mm-hmm. And I think that Oscar Howe is like long overdue for recognition on a bigger stage. He is definitely renowned in South Dakota. And in my research there, um, and my colleagues who, who worked on this project with me, I think we were always blown away by how well known Oscar Howe is there. And, um, but the, the fact of the matter is outside of South Dakota, it's only people who have a very specific knowledge base who know him. And he is part of American modernism. He should be in the collection of the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. You know, he should be part of that canon when we're talking about and teaching modernism in the 20th century. As a curator, as a curator and a member of the Navajo Nation, tell me, tell our listeners why it matters to have indigenous or native people in this conversation about art curation, art history, and the future of modern art. Well, I think I think that, you know, throughout throughout my career and my education, I was always taken aback by the contributions of Native people to, um, to art and the history of art. And, you know, it's ongoing. And I've always felt like the mainstream art world was missing out on something, you know? I mean, it just seemed like it was important that, that it be recognized, but it also just seems like people have been missing out. It's not just about, um, you know being excluded. It's about bringing a richness and a diversity to our understanding of art in this, in this country um, and in modernism. And, you know, there's a richness there and none of these uh, expressions existed in isolation. And I think there's, there's kind of a mythology that, um, you know, that, that, that art movements kind of exist in these, in these pockets. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is Native people have been part of this country and part of the cultural fabric of this country for, you know, for over a century, for centuries. And it's just not been acknowledged. So, so that's part of what I feel like I'm doing. I'm filling in these holes in our, in, in our histories. And, um, you know, there's, there's, been, there's a lot of them. And I think this was a big one. And I'm very excited that it's finally happening. Kathleen, tell me one painting that I should stand in front of and notice one thing about, like, invite us into a moment that you just think should not be missed. Um, I think that one of the most interesting and significant paintings is a painting titled Umini Dance. This was a painting that was the painting he created after the painting that was rejected from the Philbrook. Um, and we were not able to find that painting. It's kind of disappeared um, into private hands and we weren't able to track it down. But this, this second painting, Umini Dance, 
surfaced in an auction just a couple of years ago. We were really excited that we were able to get it into the exhibition. It's the cover of the book. And one of the things that he was trying to do in this painting was to depict sound, sound um, that was taking place during a ceremony. And it's this very, very vivid uh, painting, and it has all these lines and these these amorphous forms, and uh, it's very intense, but it is something that he was, you know, trying to do that was different, which was trying to recreate that moment and the, the, whole, the whole experience of that moment, including the sound. Wow. Kathleen Ash Milby is Portland Art Museum's curator of Native American art and the curator of Dakota Modern, the art of Oscar Howe. Welcome back to In the Moment on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm Lori Walsh. If you are just tuning into the show, we are devoting this hour to an art exhibition now on display at the South Dakota Art Museum in Brookings. Dakota Modern, the art of Oscar Howe, is ending its national tour right here in Oscar Howe's home state. Well, how will the artwork serve as an educational, cultural, and community experience we're going to hear the voice of the artist in just a moment with a listen to archival audio from the South Dakota Oral History Center in Vermilion. But first, Abigail Ramsbottom is education curator and coordinator at the South Dakota Art Museum. When was the first time that you started planning um, not just the arrival of the paintings, but how they would be incorporated into the art museum's mission? Well, um, you know, we started over a year ago. I remember um, presenting to the team a proposal for some engagement activities last June. So this has been a really long time coming, and I'm just very excited to share some of the opportunities we have going on throughout this whole summer. Were you well aware of Oscar Howe? Was there a big learning curve for you? Because I kind of, on my part, I thought I knew, and then I started researching. I was like, oh, I didn't know anything. And, And now a whole new world is open to me. How about for you? Yeah, thanks so much for asking. I am actually new to South Dakota. I moved here last summer, so I had a very big learning curve and I just feel really honored that I was, you know, given this opportunity to learn. I have had a lot of conversations with some of Oscar House students like Brian Akipa. Yeah. So, you know, not only does Kathleen Ash Milby have an excellent catalog on Oscar Howe called Dakota Modern, the art of Oscar Howe, mm-hmm. um, but we also have people who knew Oscar that are still living and have stories to tell. So it, it was quite a large learning curve. I had just kind of seen his art online and then to come here to South Dakota and see it in person, it looks different and it's much more special when you, when you get to see those works on the wall. Yeah, more colorful, more like, what, what's the scale? How big are his paintings? How, how large of a scope did he work in? Sure, yeah, so his work, I w- it's not an incredibly large scale, but of course, yes, much larger than a computer monitor. Um, some of his works are probably maybe two feet wide is okay. probably the most I would say. Yeah. Um, but of course, the vibrancy of those colors, it, it's more impactful when you see it in person and, and really the precision that he mm. has. It's like you almost can't tell that it's a painting because he's been so careful with how he applies that paint onto the canvas or the, the paper for, for most of his works. I love that. And I forget that's a good point. If you've seen this on your phone, you haven't seen it yet. So make mm-hmm. a trip to Brookings this summer. It's there all summer long and uh, through September 17th, I believe. 
Yes. So uh, your role, let's talk a little bit about how a museum takes an exhibit like this and and the story of Oscar Howe and his artwork and the people knew him and said, okay, well now this is an opportunity to connect a community, to, you know, uh, people to people, uh, invite people into an art gallery, invite people to uh, into art itself. Where do you begin making that plan? And then we'll talk about some of the things that you're offering this summer. Sure. Yeah, to give you a little behind the scenes, um, we started in community. We formed an Oscar Howe Engagement Committee, and that did feature some of um, the students of Howe and folks from across the state to advise us and to, you know, tell us, okay, what do we need to see um, from this? What programming do we need to see? How do we market this? What sort of outreach do we need to do to make sure that this whole state feels ignited and feels included in this celebration that we have? Yeah. And throughout the summer, um, will there be other engagement opportunities or school visits or what are some of the ways that you think about this beyond opening weekend? Yes, certainly. So we have quite a few um I guess, methods for, for engaging folks across the state. So one thing that we'll be offering, which we always offer, is K-12 through transportation scholarships. Okay. So, um, you know, public and private schools can um, get reimbursed for coming to the museum and having tours with me or some of our trained docents. Mm -hmm. We also are going to be offering travel reimbursement scholarships for tribal affiliated organizations, and that's up to $600. So if you have a group um, and you'd really like to come see the exhibition, we have funding to offer to help and assist for people getting over to Brookings. Um, and all of this information is on our website, SouthDakotaArtMuseum.com. And if you want, you can always just call the museum and we'd be super happy to speak with you. Yeah. Also, we have Oscar Howe Community Celebration Grants. So like I've mentioned, we want the whole state to feel ignited in this celebration. So we are offering grants for organizations across the state to have uh, Oscar Howe celebrations that could look like art making activities, a lecture um, or something more permanent like funding for a mural that is um, speaking to Oscar Howe and his legacy and those are up to $2,500 $2, matching grant money. Let's hear now from the artist himself. This summer, we want not only to look up close at Oscar Howe's paintings, we want to hear his voice. So I reached out to the curator of the South Dakota Oral History Center in Vermilion. Here is what he helped me find. The following audio excerpt and research data was obtained through the archives of the South Dakota Oral History Center on behalf of the Department of Native Studies at the University of South Dakota, Vermilion, South Dakota. It is from the Oscar Howe Materials Collection, the call number AIRP 1256. It was recorded in 1963. Here is Oscar Howe discussing his artwork in a class lecture at USD. This afternoon I'd like to explain about my paintings. It's a type of painting that's uh, that is shown throughout the country to represent modern American Indian. If you like to classify that. And recently it's just been classified as uh, Contemporary art, American contemporary, so I'm very glad of that. In the show in Denver, 
Some of my paintings are now, I'm in very good company this year. My work is being shown with about 24 other leading artists in the, in the world. And I'm glad of that. This has happened very seldom, maybe every five, ten years, but now I've been chosen as one of the collector's choice for this year, so I must be advancing or, or near death or something. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to show you something that, uh, about my picture and its background, the fundamentals, the basic things that are concerned with it. And this is the type of thing I did after finishing high school, and that's where I got my first art training. The idea here is to keep the thing flat and to do, with, uh, to do uh, the painting with a very small brush, triple O brush, which means a very fine point brush with only three hair at the tip. But such a technique is a little bit too deliberate and cannot be seen only but two inches from, perhaps two or three inches from the painting in order to get the effect of the, paint, uh, of the brushwork. So I started using other um, bigger brushes where I can do much better, faster. But it did not concern with uh, the use of type of brush, but it dealt more with the old traditional Indian uh, aesthetic point painting, which the old Sioux Indian uh, painter did in studying his uh, area that he is to paint. He would concentrate on this area for three days. Everything seemed to happen in three days for concentration and retreats and all this uh, exhaustion sets in after three days, it seems. Anything that had to do with the mind. Anyway, in the art study, it took three days in which to consider all these points in that area and to memorize all these points in their relation to the whole thing. So that when a painting is being made, he may start at one point and continue throughout and still keep it at aesthetic point because the painter is more or less regulated to conventions, traditional handling of his tools and his material, and he's held to that type of drawing. So he has to keep within the confines of such a tradition and still find his whole object seemed to be to find those points and to hang on to them during a ceremonial painting. Of course, when in the ceremony, a man relates a story and the artist is to record it on the skin. Anytime the speaker stops, the whole thing would stop. But still, it would be at an aesthetic point. So it has to do more with aesthetics than it does with any other material or symbolic things. This is the very type in which uh, is designated or has the distinction of uh, being a modern painting. Here you would see the objective or the painting of the objects as distinguished from the painting of symbols that you see in the upper left and right hand corners. These are symbols. 
and they help to tell more of the story or the objective part of the story or the theme or the content of the painting. Of course, if you are interested more in artistic end of the painting, the title don't mean a thing then. You would just enjoy. But that comes in so many degrees. Maybe an intellectual thing about this would be you could identify it as being something what familiar with some objects. And if you could make out these parts to complete in the mind's eye your thinking, your emotions, and so on, perhaps it would mean something or at, at least have a beginning of some feeling. In my work, I try to do more of the objective. I believe in doing objective paintings, but it begins more or less non-objectively or symbolically or only with aesthetic point to point, where many artists work part to part. I try to work from point to point. Of course, that don't mean anything unless I can prove that. But in my work, I'm trying more not to be too artistic, but rather to, then rather to document something which would be a little more factual than work emotionally for the present. That is, I am working something from the past, the past that has pa is gone forever, but trying to retain some, something fine and good from this past and to contribute to the present. That means I'm not forcing this on anyone. Here you see the painting of an old man and a young man, and they are in conversation. The background shows the modern controlled weather, building, even flora or your plant life is controlled. And he is speaking of symbols. Symbols is supposed to show on one of the things there, but uh, it's not a very good slide. And this one be, uh, is the beginning of this is a circle, and it lies almost parallel with the ground. That is the beginning of unity. And this symbol is used among the Sioux Indians to unite or to keep together because there are seven, there were more than seven groups, but they worked apart from each other until they became some other tribe and cannot understand the basic Sioux Indian. They used the circle to unite, so even in their, when they eat, when they camp, or hold council, or when they dance, the circle or the hoop is the symbol. That is Oscar Howe, recorded in 1963 in a class lecture at the University of South Dakota. That audio excerpt and research data was obtained through the archives of the South Dakota Oral History Center on behalf of the Department of Native Studies at USD. You're listening to In the Moment on South Dakota Public Broadcasting. I'm your host, Lori Walsh. Welcome back. Oscar Howe left an immeasurable legacy as an artist, mentor, educator, and activist. 
Keith Braveheart is a contemporary artist and educator. He received his bachelor's degree at the Institute of American Indian Art in Santa Fe. His master's in fine arts is from the University of South Dakota, and he works with young artists at the annual Oscar Howe Summer Art Institute at USD. I asked Keith what kind of groundwork Oscar Howe laid with his art and with his words for Keith and for other young artists. Well, I would say the groundwork, (laughs) um, the pathway. Um, And I think that that's something that unanimously a lot of my uh, contemporary, my peers, my colleagues, a lot of these artists that are very inspired today and have a strong, uh, vivid voice themselves still carry true to that we recognize Oscar as that grandfather. And that's something I think that's very sincerely authentic and that seeing Oscar, even though there is no blood relation, he's still a grandfather and held in that highest regard as being one of those uh, cherished relatives. And so I know me personally, I have to give an acknowledgement that his uh, practice of my cultural um, uh, lifestyle and saying thanks, we say wopila, that's like a a really uh, strong uh, term of endearment where we really cherish what you did and we're so thankful. So whenever I enter into the College for Fine Arts at USD or whenever I'm um, somewhere where I know that Oscar's uh, spirit remains, I have to always make sure that I say that. But I must also mention right quickly that I don't only um, stop at Oscar, it does extend into his legacy and some of those artists that really did carry on that uh, responsibility of inheriting what Oscar ignited and making sure that it remained uh, alive for our generations today, but also into the future. So some names that are very um, needed to be shared is also Bobby Penn, Mm -hmm. John Day, and then there's many other artists as well too who have had uh, direct or indirect uh, influence or impact by Oscar Howe that also holds significance, not only to South Dakota, but across our region and then even into the world itself. So for me, um, it's very much uh, a big thing to just share my, um, my uh, respect to Oscar Howe and to um, open up my heart so that other people can hear me today and see how you know this artist had an impact on, on, on me hopefully maybe they can start to understand that that potential is, is awaiting them as well too when they go to that exhibition. It's a big thing to have this exhibition here in our state. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm not um, predicting the, the future, but I don't think something like this will occur for a long time if it does. And so I wanted to mention to the viewers to drop everything they're doing if they're, if they're not driving uh, and make plans to try to make it up to Brookings. Yeah, until September 17th, and that will go fast. And I've had things that have come to South Dakota before, and the summer flies by, and I think, oh, I never made it. That's okay. This is not one of those things. You want to, (laughs) I agree with Keith 100% on this. You want to make sure, put it in your calendar now. And as I hear you talk, Keith, as someone who is not an artist, um, who is not Native, I am humbled by the work that I am surrounded by and um, in, 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 am inspired not necessarily to create art, but to view it and to listen to it in new ways. What do you think is waiting for audience members who come and open their hearts and walk into the gallery space and say, gee, I've never been to an art gallery before, but I want to see this. What kind of experience might await? Well, there, there's many uh, diverse experiences that I imagine, but I, I feel like the first and foremost is enrichment. There has to be this uh, uplifting type of experience. 
of just activating the senses, especially the visuals. If we're focusing on Oscar Howe, he was primarily a visual artist, so you're going to see his paintings, maybe some of his drawings as well, too. And that's going to entice what you're, you're seeing. You know, you're going to enjoy what you see, but it's also going to activate your mind into opening up more of your own humanities. What does this mean to you? How is it relevant to you? It's going to maybe uh, evoke nostalgia, memory, or even um, a more transcendent type of memory, and uh, intergenerational memory, possibly. It unlocks a way that you can connect with the past, maybe your own ancestors, or even maybe hold something uh, even more dear and that there's some sort of reciprocity or some sort of reconciliation. There's something there that's between two cultural spheres that you're finding yourself um, reaching outward for. Yeah. And maybe there's something there that can be um, um, beneficial to a person. And you don't have to be a, a native person, a tribal person to go to a tribal arts exhibition. You could just be a person who's open to experiencing the world itself. We all share the world. Um, so that's what you're going to definitely encounter once you um, uh, embark on this exhibition of Oscar Howe's. Yeah. But like I said, it doesn't end there. The, the, the artists that represent our state, the artists that um, really are, are um, I would say, our sons and daughters of this Dakota homeland, you know, this is what they're doing is they're expressing uh, the richness of, of our identities, of our um, lifestyles. And sometimes they're not always picture perfect or only about, you know, the most uh, pleasing aesthetic. Sometimes they're harsh realities or omitted histories. But those are important that we encounter because honesty is the key. Honesty is the key to us and um, recognizing our own moments, time, yeah. and then also maybe our own action in that relation to that time. One of my goals throughout the summer, Keith, is to take individual paintings from the exhibition and then, you know, build some radio around that. What is the conversation that needs to be had around, you know, what is that bringing up for us to talk about in, in the future? I'm wondering, you mentioned and we were talking a little bit about this earlier, when you as an artist are looking closely at some of the geometry of his work, which was inspired by uh, the Ochechi Shakoin culture, the Dakota, Nakota, um, life that he lived and experienced, his lived experience, do you see that as well? Is it obvious to you? Uh, because some people said, oh, this is, this is European influence, and he said, no, no, it's not. What do you see as an artist? Well, most definitely, I think that um, my cultural lens is going to be able to uh, receive the communication as intended. And I understand uh, Oscar's defense and that this was only a continuum, a true continuum in the sense that it went back to what his ancestors originated, which was their own design, composition, color schemes. Uh, eventually, we can think of it as composition, the way that he starts to layer his work as well, too. And so it's uh, abstract in its totality, but it's still, it's just the essentials, the very essentials of what we need to spark our interest, which could be color, shape, line, form. Uh, but the way that they're arranged, you know, we think about the ingredients in our fa favorite food. That's the same way that Oscar's working so that it makes that big, strong, um, just moment where you're just uh, taken by surprise, but so delightful. Hmm. And so I pick up on that most definitely. And I think that um, others, they start to um, understand that. It's just that it takes sometimes a little bit more time. That's why sometimes I often hear that a lot of people are just a little frustrated with abstract art because they feel like they need something more uh, representational, more literal right in front of them. And so Oscar does include that as well too. 
but I think that um, it's for me really the ones that are more based in that uh, historic lineage of geometry that I really mm -hmm. find most uh, compelling. They really do speak to me. I can hear them. They pulsate with life. And um, I know that he's also a scholar. He, he's one of our first trendsetters in being able to go off and achieve his master's in fine art. So yeah. he was, of course, um, made aware of world art history. And he, I think, appreciated it. He loved it. He embraced it as well, too. But he recognized that there was a total authenticity to what he was doing. And he was definitely able to defend that. Mm. And so I do uh, really admire how, how, how strong and, and truly stoic he was and his ability to to say that this is what my art is. One great contemporary artist talking about another, Keith Braveheart on Oscar Howe and his legacy. Dakota Modern, the art of Oscar Howe is now on display at the South Dakota Art Museum in Brookings. That's until September 17th. And that is our show for today. We hope that it served you. From all of us at South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Lori Walsh. Thank you for listening.